are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great 4th of July f- show for you. We're going to talk about last night's episode. We're going to talk about what I said yesterday in regards to charity in New Orleans. We're also going to talk about the fact I watched Claim to Fame last night. What do I think about it? I'll give you my thoughts. Today, not only being the 4th of July, today's a big day. There's a big contest going on today, as there is every year. We'll talk about that. And yesterday was a huge day in movie history, especially as it pertains to me. We'll talk about all that momentarily. All right, before we get started, just wanted to talk about yesterday what I brought up in regards to Charity having three one-on-one dates in New Orleans and a three-person group date. And I just want to say this because a few of you emailed me and said, Steve, maybe when Charity answered that question, the third one-on-one date you're speaking of, because you mentioned you heard it happened in the bayou, that's outside of New Orleans. So she was technically just saying, you know, yeah, she had two great dates in New Orleans, but you guys could technically be both right because you're saying one was in the bayou. I'm not saying any of that. I just am telling you in New Orleans, my info, which I believe to be right, said that there were three one-on-one dates and a three-person group date. So it has nothing to do with the semantics of, you know, what Charity said and how she said it. I don't think Charity did anything other than misspeak. She was put on the spot. She was asked about New Orleans. And for whatever reason, she said, I had two one-on-one dates. I don't know why she said it. I just think she misspoke. I don't think she did it maliciously. I don't think she did it intentionally. I don't think she purposely tried to mislead anybody. I think she just answered a question and goofed. That's all I think it was because I know it's hard for you to understand because I can't share my information and I can't share my sources. I'm just telling you, I believe the information that I got. And if you think it's just, hey, someone told me there were three one-on-ones in New Orleans and I said, okay, thanks, bye. It's not the way it works. I ask questions. I get to a point where it's like, okay, now this makes sense. And that's why I reported what I did. There were three one-on-one dates in New Orleans and none, and then a, th- and then a uh, three-person group date. Because here's the thing. Just pretend I never even told you there was a third one-on-one in New Orleans, okay? Just pretend I never even said that. What we know as pure fact, April 6th was Joey's one-on-one in New Orleans. We have video and photo evidence of that happening that day. We have video and photo evidence of her having a one-on-one date with Dotton on the 8th. So there was a day in between where a date happened. If you are of the opinion that there was not three one-on-one dates in New Orleans, that means you are telling me, Steve, there was a four-person group date in between Joey's one-on-one and Dotton's one-on-one, which means there was no rose ceremony. Or there was a rose ceremony there after Dotton's date. I'm just telling you, not only were there three one-on-ones And a three-person group date, I'm telling you, roses were given out on dates. So if you're saying there's not three one-on-ones, that means you're saying in between Joey and Dotton was a four-person group date. I'm here to tell you there was not a four-person group date. It was a three-person group date after Dotton's date, and there was a third one-on-one in the middle of Joey and Dotton's. It's the best I can give you right now. We'll find out. It's only three weeks away. Shit. I mean, it's episode five. So unless a preview gives it away, 
then you'll just have to wait for episode five for it to happen. But I didn't just hear it and be like, okay, thanks, bye. It's just not the way I work, you know? I ask questions, I dig into things, and every reason to believe that there was a third one-on-one date in New Orleans. And just because it hasn't been shown in a preview doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just keep that in mind as well. So let's get to last night's episode. Um, you know, it was good. It wasn't great. Standard second episode for me. You have to establish who an early villain is or who a villain is. And clearly, uh, you know, they're centering around Adrian versus Braden. We see this every season. There's always two people going at it early on or one person that stands out and everyone else hates that person or doesn't like them, whatever the case may be. And then you had your standard, you know, one one-on-one day and two group dates. I didn't think there was really anything, but to just kind of go over it. And I'm going to give more of my thoughts and kind of go into it a little bit more in my column today that's going to be up on realitysteve.com. But Aaron B. got the uh, first one-on-one of the season and got to go to the Hollywood sign, something I know they've done in the past before. I want to say off the top of my head that Allie and Jake – went to the Hollywood sign during Jake's season. I believe she had a one-on-one there. If it wasn't Allie, it was definitely during Jake's season. I just, for some reason, I remember Allie and Jake being at the Hollywood sign. And I believe Allie had the first one-on-one of the season. So um, kind of a similar date for the most part. You know, got up to go up to the sign, hang out there, walk around. Pretty cool. Um, While they're up there, they kind of showed, started planting the seed for, hey, Adrian doesn't like Aaron, or Adrian doesn't like uh, Braden, sorry. And Adrian was talking to Aaron S. because that's who they decided to show. Aaron S. and Adrian are sitting there in the backyard. The guys are all hanging out at the pool, but they make sure to show you Braden in the background doing backflips into the pool, and apparently that means... He's just taking this show as fun, 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 spring break time. I mean, (laughs) just because he jumped and did a backflip into a pool, that makes him not serious. Now, look, Braden was never going to marry Charity at the end of this thing anyway. And Braden does seem a little on the younger side by the way he talks with all of his bros and dudes. And yeah, we get it. He was never going to win anyway. But can we stop making him out to be the worst person in the world? He's no different than any other villain, and he's way less offensive. All he's doing is acting like a kid in a candy store, getting so excited that the girl kisses him and doesn't really understand how the show works. Like, him saying, oh, man, it's so tough to know that she's kissing other guys. It's like, how many times have we heard that on this show? 50? Every season there's somebody that can't handle the lead dating other people. Braden's no different, and he expressed it. It makes him dumb. It doesn't make him a villain. It makes him just like, dude, how do you not know this going in? And if you never watched the show before, that's on you. That's your fault, you know? But it's just not a big... They are just trying to make it look like this is like the biggest deal in the world, and it really isn't at all. It isn't at all. At least through two episodes. Now... If Brayden all of a sudden just starts laying into Charity and calling her names and saying he doesn't even want to be there, but he's stealing roses, then you can say, okay, this guy's slimy. Just get him off the show. 
shit. <laughs> Braden only has two episodes left anyway. It's it, it you know with this show being shortened this season, it's like, man, this thing's flying by quick. They're in Washington in episode four, and that's when Braden goes home. You know, so it, it's not like he has a lot of time left. But it it just seems like I mean these first two episodes, the only negative thing they could pull out of any of these guys is what Braden has said. You know, next week it looks like Aaron B gets drawn into it a little bit and he gets part of the and he becomes part of the drama as well, but this is more about Braden, you know? And we all know how it ends for him. He gets sent home uh, after the group date in Washington. Then for the 12 guy group date, it was Dodge Brawl, which is the fourth time they've done this. And now the show is even in on the Yosef joke. Having Aaron S. say in his ITM, I can't believe we're ta- playing Dodge Brawl. What is Yosef's daughter going to think of this? Like, I mean, <laughs> it's like, how meta is that? I tweeted it out right when he said it, and then like moments later, or right before he said it, and then moments later, Aaron says it. I'm like, all right, we can throw the Yosef joke out now because the show is acknowledging it now, and the contestants are acknowledging Yosef. So we can pretty much put that to bed and never use it again. For that group date, I was actually more interested in the other games that they were playing. Like, I didn't really need to see a six-on-six game of dodgeball. I really didn't. It's nothing new. I would have loved to see a sandcastle-making contest like they were doing, a cornhole contest, a football game on the beach. Can't say it quite rivaled what we saw in Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick, but would have been interesting to watch those 12 guys in a six-on-six football game on the beach. Either way, Adrian was on the losing team, but he got chosen MVP. What a shocker, so he could be... Joining the winning team, which had Braden on that day. It's like, my gosh. The writers for the show just need to, well, not go on strike. And the writers for this show just need to freshen up their ideas. Because we could all see this coming a mile away, you know? Hell, even Braden on this date called himself a two-year-old. <laughs> like, I, I, uh, I just... He's just a guy that's kind of clueless. I don't know how familiar Braden is with this franchise, and if he's never watched an episode, then this is all on him. But it's not a big deal what he's saying and doing. There's always someone every season that doesn't handle the lead making out with other guys well. Same thing for Bachelor. Same thing for The Bachelor. There's always one or two women that have a really hard time with a guy that they maybe kissed first, is now kissing a bunch of other women and dating a bunch of other women. You know? He's even saying it at the group date. He's like, you know, if I didn't get it, if I don't get the group date, Rose, what does that mean and where her head's at with me? He just, he doesn't seem to get this show, doesn't seem to get this game, but my gosh, it's it's overkill at this point of how they're making him out to be with the music they play around him and his eye rolling. He's just young He's a young San Diego bro. That's all he is. He's not going to win. He was never going to win. Why are we wasting so much time focusing on this storyline? The other group date, the longest kiss date, Gabby and Rachel are there. 
I remember Sean and Leslie doing it, and then I thought Evan and Carly broke Sean and Leslie's record down in paradise, but that was like for hottest kiss, like kissing after eating a jalapeno. I didn't even know that, that someone had originally set that record. But I thought Holly and uh, Holly, I thought Evan and Carly broke Sean and Leslie's record because I thought during that episode they showed exactly what they showed last night, the clip of Sean kissing Leslie. I thought they did it for Evan and Carly. Maybe I'm just totally blanking. Whatever the case, they've all been outdone now. Joey and Charity sucked each other's face off for four minutes and 25 seconds. And I mean sucked each other's face off. That isn't just some term that I'm using to be gross. He was literally sucking her face. That was good kissing. Maybe I'm just getting old, but (laughs) I was a little confused by that, to say the least. And there were times towards the end when the clock was still running where Joey and Charity, you know, separated for a half a second and continued to kiss, but they weren't attached at the lips the whole time. So again, I was totally confused on how that was the record. Now, it might have been after they already passed the 325 mark, whatever the original record was, but there was definitely some separation of their mouths. And I thought the whole point of the longest kiss was to never separate and how long you could make out with somebody without your heads ever coming apart. Whatever. Joey won. The other five guys had to stand there and watch and then get their ass sent home while Joey got a one-on-one later on that night with Charity. Fun times, I tell you. Then she canceled the Rose Ceremony cocktail party just so she could throw a barbecue during the day, and the barbecue, again, was all about Adrian and Brayden. And it's just like, you all saw it. Again, it was just a whole lot of nothing. And she had the Rose, you know, they went straight from the barbecue. The next thing we see is the Rose Ceremony. And the five guys uh, that I told you in the spoilers that were going to get eliminated did get eliminated. Those five guys were Caleb Arthur, John Henry Spurlock, Josh Young, Caleb Kim, and Spencer Storbeck. Outside of Spencer, who obviously a lot of people had comments on in episode one, uh, Caleb Arthur, no camera time. John Henry, very little camera time. Josh Young, a little bit. In last night's episode, when they got back from the group kissing date, Caleb Kim didn't speak once the whole episode, and like I said, Spencer. So, I mean, it wasn't really a surprise that those were the five that were gone. Those were the five that I told you, and they're gone. So, that's where we're at with last night's episode. You'll see and read more of my thoughts coming up in a couple hours on realitysteve.com, so go check that out. Okay, I watched Claim to Fame last night before The Bachelorette. I, you know, it's it's corny. It's cheesy. There's nothing like the thing. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Whoa. The thing is, these people are clearly all related to somebody. That's the whole point of the show. They're related to somebody famous. But. If anybody just, I don't know, took some time to just start Googling things and whatever, it just seems like it would be very easy before this show ends to find out. Like, there's nothing in that show, I don't think, that nobody's going to find out before the finale of that show airs. Like, I already know Chris is Donny Osmond's son. 
Because one, he looks like him. So what did I do last night as I was watching the show? Wikipedia Donny Osmond looked at the name of his kids, and one of his kids' name is Christopher. Well, I'm 99.9% sure that's his son. Looks exactly like him, and Donny has a son named Christopher. I mean, come on. So, and I've already seen some people online, I've already found out who most of these people are. So, what's the, I don't know, what's the enjoyment here? What's the, what's the catch? What am I missing about the, like, excitement level or finding out who's who when it's pretty much not that hard to figure out? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't even know if I'm going to watch it every week. Depends on how much work I get done before 7 o'clock Central Time on Monday nights because it just, I mean, the competitions are silly. I mean, I, I think Big Brother's competitions, at least some of them are are tough. They're corny. Some of them are tough. The endurance ones are a little bit tough or hanging against the wall and whatnot. These competitions that these people do are just dumb. And they're silly and they're corny. And it's like, oh, you are the bottom two, so you guys are the guessers. And then people vote on who they want to be guessing. But they're all sharing information. And they're all saying, like, I mean, they're two for two already. I didn't watch season one. So I don't know how season one went. How many of the people at the end of the episode that had to guess guessed wrong out of the, I'm assuming 12 people were on season one as well. How many guessed wrong? Because it sounds like they're all onto each other and they all know who everybody's relative is. That Shane girl, it seems like she's Eddie, related to Eddie Murphy. I guess Eddie Murphy's daughter. We all know Chris is Donny Osmond, so that's four of the 12 that are already 100% figured out. Jane seems to be related to Dolly Parton. And then when they said Jane's relative that she's related to was born in 1946, I googled Dolly Parton, born in 1946. So yeah, Jane is probably Dolly Parton's niece or something, you know? So that's five of the 12. And I just started watching last night. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, wow, this is really going to be a, uh, you know, a brain teaser for me. And, and nobody's going to know. And we're going to get to that final episode and someone's going to reveal who they are. And zero people watching will have a clue and be totally shocked. It just doesn't seem that way. And that seems to be the whole point of the show is to keep these people's identities, you know, not revealed. And it doesn't seem to be doing a good job of it if I already know who five of the 12 are. And I just started watching last night. As I said in the beginning of the show, happy 4th of July to everybody. Enjoy your fireworks show tonight. It'll be raining here in Dallas, so I don't think we'll be having any fireworks shows or I'll be watching any fireworks shows. What I will say is today is one of my favorite holidays, and it's because of what's on at ESPN at noon Eastern time. And that is the Nathan's hot dog eating championships every 4th of July on ESPN because professional eating is a sport. Now, the only professional eating we ever see televised is this one, the one that's on today at noon Eastern. And we know that Joey Chestnut is the greatest human garbage disposal we've ever seen in our lives. The guy has won Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championship, 15 of the last 16 years. He's going to win again today. It's just a matter of two things. One, does he break his record of eating 73 hot dogs in 10 minutes? And two, how many does he beat the second place person by? It's usually 20 hot dogs he beats them by or 25. It's never close. That's why he's a 4,000 to 1 favorite to win today. You know what that means? 
If you want to win $100 on Joey Chestnut to win today, you have to bet 4000 And somebody in Vegas has bet $2,000 on Joey to win, and they're going to return 50 bucks. Congratulations to you, whoever that idiot is that did that. What's the point? Just to say that you did it? I don't know. Seems kind of like a waste of money. I mean, you're going to win 50 bucks because Joey's going to win. However, I'm more interested on the introductions that they do of all these contestants because on the introductions, it shows where they are good at eating, what other eating competitions they have won championships in. Because we only, like I said, we only see the hot dog one every 4th of July. There is professional eating contests going all over the world. Nachos, french fries. There's a mayonnaise eating, professional eating. There's asparagus. I mean, you'll see it. If you watch it today, you'll see it. Everyone gets their own intro. George Shea is the master of ceremonies like he is every year. And he has the most outlandish intros for every single... You, you would think these people are running for Congress the way he introduces them. But they're going to get up there and we're going to see... Oh, yeah, by the way, he also is the world record holder for most pieces of broccoli eaten or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating to me. And no, there's no way you could literally... I mean, this isn't normal for people to do this. There's clearly something that they have or they've trained their stomach to do because you can't eat, a normal human being can't eat 73 hot dogs in 10 minutes. But Joey Chestnut can because he's not actually like eating it and eating it for taste. and so It's just like going down and just going straight down his esophagus into a giant pit. I don't know how he does it, but clearly these people all have some sort of stomach issue that the average person does not have. That's how they can do this. Will I be watching? Yes. Am I grossed out by it every year? Of course. But it is fascinating television. So check that out on ESPN today at noon Eastern time. The Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championships. Joey Chestnut going for victory and championship number 16. 16 of the last 17 years if he wins today. And finally... I didn't even realize this until yesterday after I'd already recorded yesterday's episode. And that was the fact that 38 years ago yesterday, Back to the Future was released in movie theaters, a movie that literally changed. It blew me away as a kid, as a 10 year old, July 3rd, 1985. I know I saw it in the theaters. And I absolutely was amazed by it. But if you heard my podcast, I want to say three or four years ago, the one I did with Brad Gilmore, who wrote the book Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. Brad came on the podcast three or four years ago, and I just geeked out and talked Back to the Future with him for almost an hour. You know that there's so much about this movie that changed. The fact that the original time machine was supposed to be a refrigerator. Um, you know, I'm sure you all know the story that Eric Stoltz was cast as Marty McFly and filmed for five weeks, literally almost filmed the whole movie with Eric Stoltz. They sent it back and Steven Spielberg said, something's off. We're not getting the laughs that we want. It didn't test well. So they fired him 
and they brought in Michael J. Fox and had to reshoot the whole movie. Uh, Melora Hardin was supposed to be up for uh, um, Jennifer, Marty's girlfriend. She didn't get the part because she was too... Once they brought in Marty... Melora Hardin actually was Jennifer. But once they brought in Marty, they couldn't keep Melora Hardin. Once they brought in Michael J. Fox, they couldn't keep Melora Hardin because she was so much taller than him. So she was replaced. I mean, just so many quirks and things about this movie that the final product that we saw is very, very different from the original concept and the original idea that they had. So there's a whole Twitter thread about it yesterday, 45 tweets. You can check it out on my Twitter feed yesterday. Unless you've run out of your allotment of reading tweets, I'm still totally confused on what the hell's going on on Twitter. It says all the time, said a lot during, you know, a lot yesterday, you know, rate limit exceeded. Please wait a few moments, then try again, and then I'll refresh and I'll see the latest tweet. But as long as it says that at the top, I can't read any tweets from anybody's account. I can go to ESPN, I could go to whoever, and it'll say rate limit exceeded. And there's no way, there's absolutely zero way within an hour or two of waking up yesterday that it already read 600 tweets. It makes no sense. It's not making sense what's going on. And some people are saying, some people emailed me and said, Steve, I don't have no idea what you're talking about. I'm on Twitter. I don't see that anywhere. And there are people that aren't, these are people that aren't verified. So I have no idea what's going on. It's so confusing and so frustrating and distracting and so annoying. But, I mean, did you see this thing that starting on um, uh, starting on Thursday, Instagram's going to have something called Instagram Threads, which is basically going to be Instagram's response to Twitter because they know Twitter's going to hell in a handbasket. I wonder if this is going to take off. Apparently it's in the Apple Store already, but you can't download it until the 6th. But it's going to go live on the 6th, and it's called Instagram Threads, and it's basically the same exact thing as Twitter, but... You go through it. You get it through the Instagram app. So we'll see. Um, I looked for it. Couldn't really find it. So I don't know what's going on, but I read it, and it's supposed to go on July 6th, which is Thursday. So anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow in Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. Sports Daily is going to be up in an hour from now, and then a couple hours from now my column will be up recapping last night's episode at realitysteve.com. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!